right, so as Ben introduced the story for us this morning, this is Jesus' final miracle, the last miracle of his ministry before he enters into Jerusalem for the events of what we call Holy Week. And I think it's fitting that Mark uses this story to wrap up this theme of discipleship and faith that we've been following really through chapters 8, 9, and 10 of Mark's gospel. And I think it's, it's ironic that it's the blind beggar who sees Jesus more clearly than the religious leaders or even than the disciples do at times. And Mark uses this encounter to actually illustrate what Jesus just said before in Mark 10.45. Look with me in your Bibles at Mark 10.45. This was the last thing we read last week. Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. And he says that just before going in to Jerusalem and just before this encounter with the blind man. This story of Bartimaeus forces us to ask how we can be like him. How are we blind like he is? And will we be willing to leave behind our all to come to Jesus in faith for him to make us whole, for him to give us spiritual sight, to follow him on the way? There's a road that goes from rags to redemption. And we have to follow that same road if we're going to come to Jesus, the same road that Bartimaeus walked. And that road begins, in verses 46 through 48, it begins as redemption hears our cry for mercy. Redemption hears our cry for mercy. Let's look at Mark 10, 46. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Imagine with me, if you will, the scene. We're in Jericho in the first century. Now, Jericho today is the oldest continuously lived-in city that we know of on earth. We can trace it back to 9,000 years ago, people living in Jericho. It's a few miles just west of the Jordan River, about 15 miles uh, northeast of Jerusalem. Uh, You can see there on the map the journey that Jesus took. Remember at Capernaum where Peter made his confession, and from there, going down through Galilee, uh, around over to the Jordan River, you know, as Jews tended to do, they went around Samaria, and so they went down to the Jordan River, and they followed it along to Jericho. And Jericho was like the gateway to Jerusalem. That's where you would come, especially pilgrims making their way to the temple or to Jerusalem for a festival Uh, like Passover. They would stop, maybe spend the night in Jericho before they made that final grueling trek to Jerusalem. And I say a grueling trek, it's 15 miles, but it's all uphill. 3,700 feet difference in elevation. Because, of course, Jericho is down there near the Dead Sea, so it's actually a good bit below sea level. So it was a very difficult trek up to Jerusalem, but this was the way the pilgrims would go when they were coming uh, to, say, Passover like here. So this is a week before Passover, right? This is just before Jesus 
enters on Palm Sunday to the, to the temple, uh, to Jerusalem. We'll look at that next Sunday. And so Jericho would have been swarming with pilgrims, making their final preparations, purchasing the supplies that they needed, especially your, your Pharisees, your scribes, your priests. They would all be in Jericho getting things prepared to go to Jerusalem. And so as you can imagine, vendors and innkeepers, and they were just making a fortune, right? It's like Master's Week for people in Augusta. That, that's what this was for the people of Jericho. It was the perfect place then for beggars to set up on the side of the road, right? To try to take advantage of these wealthy visitors, these pious pilgrims, people filled with festive good cheer and, and generosity. They were more than likely to give generously to these beggars. So, of course, Bartimaeus... By the way, Bartimaeus is the only person that Jesus healed in in the Synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Bartimaeus is the only person Jesus healed whose name we know. So that's significant. We know Bartimaeus' name. That tells us that he likely became somebody in the church people would have known about. Imagine being Bartimaeus. First century Judea. No social net, no assistance for people with disabilities. He was blind, which meant that he likely couldn't work, at least not in that economy. He's on the side of the road begging, which tells us he probably didn't have family to support him and to care for him. He was truly an outcast, marginalized. Not just on the side of the road, he lived on the fringes of society. And on this particular morning, Bartimaeus could hear And he could sense the excitement of the crowds. Perhaps he had already had a really good morning. Him sitting there, legs, you know, he's sitting uh, crisscross applesauce. He's got his cloak in his lap to make a a, a net to catch the coins. And imagine the people passing by, throwing the coins into his lap. He's maybe done really, really well that day. But then something changed. The excitement reached a fevered pitch. He heard someone say, there he is, he's coming, the healer. Someone else said, you mean the teacher from Nazareth? Yes, the one they call Jesus. Some even say he's the Messiah. I can just imagine Bartimaeus hearing this excited conversation. Now Bartimaeus maybe had already heard stories of this rogue rabbi from Galilee. You know, I can imagine those who lived on the fringes of society like Bartimaeus, those who were, who were often on the roadside begging, they probably passed stories like this along of this healer who could make the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame to walk again. He probably heard stories of this rabbi that would eat with tax collectors and sinners and showed respect to women and children and went head-to-head with the Pharisees. This wasn't like any other religious leader Bartimaeus had ever heard of. And this same Jesus was now about to pass him by? Well, as any successful beggar would know, people often pass by. They don't really stop. They don't often ask for your story. They they want to throw a little bit of money your way and move along. You know, I can't help but think of, you know, sometimes when you're in Augusta and you stop at a red light, you've got those people that are in the median there walking up and down the line of traffic, um, you know, trying to get you to give them something. Maybe they've got a piece of cardboard with a message on it and they know that they have you for just a moment and they want to get your attention because once that light turns green, they're out of luck. Bartimaeus knew that he would have to 
sees this moment. And so in his desperation, he cried out to Jesus. He had to get his attention. He had to get over the noise of the crowd so Jesus would hear him. It makes me think of Isaiah 55, 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Bartimaeus did that literally. He called on Jesus while he was near. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, son of David, over and over again. There are three things about Bartimaeus' cry for mercy I want us to note. And this isn't in your notes, so if you want, you can just write these down. First is that he was painfully aware of his pitiful condition. He was painfully aware of that. He had no delusions of grandeur. He knew he was poor. He obviously knew he was blind. He is truly an example of what it means to come to the kingdom of God as helpless as a child. We've talked about that. Unlike the rich young man who came to Jesus thinking he could earn salvation, Bartimaeus knew that he was at the mercy of God. He didn't deserve Jesus' attention and he certainly couldn't earn or deserve any healing that he might give him. He needed a miracle. When he says mercy, it's the Greek word eleison, which means to show kindness or concern for someone who is in serious need. It means compassion in action. And it's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's the same word Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 2 when he says that because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. It's grace. It's mercy. It's His unmerited compassion. You know, Bartimaeus could have asked Jesus for anything. He could have asked for a specific thing, like give me eyesight, which he will do eventually. He could have asked for an extra generous donation. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, could you help a brother? Could you spare a dime? He could have asked for anything. But he simply asks Jesus to show mercy. Unmerited compassion. The second thing we should notice is that Bartimaeus demonstrated amazing insight into who Jesus was. I mean, it really is remarkable. He understood his own desperate need, but he also understood that Jesus had the power and authority to do something about his need. What he lacked in eyesight, Bartimaeus more than made up for with insight. He saw with the eyes of his heart. It reminds me of a question someone once bluntly asked blind and deaf Helen Keller. They asked her, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she responded, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. Or as Ben said, better to be blind and not see the beauty of the Rockies, but to see Jesus than to be able to see those mountains every day and not see Jesus. Bartimaeus, interestingly, is the only person in Mark's gospel who calls Jesus by name. Now, that's not to say that nobody else did, but Bartimaeus is the only person in all of Mark's gospel who actually says, Jesus. And there's something about what he cried out, what he said to Jesus that caught his attention. He's also the first person to publicly call Jesus by his messianic title, Son of David. He says, Jesus, son of David, that got his attention. That was profound. It's as profound as Peter's confession that Jesus was the Christ. 
Bartimaeus shouted for all to hear that he believed that this Jesus was the King of the Jews. The long prophesied and waited for Messiah. And in doing that, he actually sets the theme and the tone for the crowd as they process up to Jerusalem. Remember on Palm Sunday, as they're waving their palm branches and Jesus is riding past, what are they saying? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Jesus is the son of David. And so they praised Hosanna in the highest heavens. Jesus is the Messiah. He has come to heal us all from spiritual blindness. Now, Bartimaeus didn't understand that scope of what Jesus had come to do, which lets us know something. That limited information about Jesus does not negate our faith in Jesus. Your faith in Jesus is not dependent on how much information about Jesus you know. If it's a genuine, childlike faith, it's like the father of the demon-possessed boy, remember? And Jesus said, if it is possible, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Both that father and Bartimaeus had a mustard seed, just just enough faith. They knew that Jesus was a compassionate man who had the power to heal. And Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of their hopes and dreams. But the third thing I want us to notice about his cry for mercy is it was persistent. It was persistent in the face of opposition. You know, it's been said, it's like the disciples that were trying to silence the children. Jesus is too important, he doesn't have time for you. And so the crowd is trying to silence Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is just being a nuisance again. People like him are better neither seen nor heard. They're just supposed to disappear. We don't want to pay attention to them, especially not when there's important dignitaries coming to town. Come on, Bartimaeus, this is a parade. You're ruining the festive celebration here. Just be quiet. Warren Wearsby wrote, Desperate people do not let the crowds keep them from Jesus. Desperation is the doorway to the kingdom of God. That's why it's easier for a blind beggar to come into the kingdom than a rich ruler. Because he's desperate for it. Are you desperate for Jesus? Do you understand that without Him, you can do nothing? That apart from Him, you are lost in your sins, you are dead in your transgressions, you are destined for an eternity in hell? Are you desperate for Jesus? Charles Colson, you may remember, was a part of the Nixon White House and later became a a Christian and then a pastor and a leader of of the Prison Outreach Fellowship Ministry. And he described his own experience the night he came to Christ like this. He says, That night when I sat alone at my car, my own sin, not just dirty politics, but the hatred and evil so deep within me was thrust before my eyes forcefully and painfully. For the first time in my life, I felt unclean. And worst of all, I could not escape. In those moments of clarity, I find myself driven irresistibly into the arms of the living God. That's how we all must come to faith in Christ. We come to Jesus with a desperate cry for mercy because we understand our great need for a Savior. 
We are desperately, hopelessly blind beggars lost without Him. But then we see that the next stop on this road to redemption is that redemption then beckons us with a call to faith. We cry out for mercy, and then redemption beckons us with a call to faith. You see, Bartimaeus' cries didn't just frustrate the crowd. They caught Jesus' attention. I love this. It says in verse 49, Jesus stopped. You understand how profound that is? Jesus was about to enter Jerusalem. He was a week away from the events of the cross. He was about to die for the sins of mankind and fulfill the very reason He came to put in place the plan of God from eternity past. And yet He had time to stop for this blind beggar? Him? This is the, remember we said last week Jesus' face was set like flint for Jerusalem. Nothing would deter Him except the desperate cries of this poor blind beggar. David McKenna rightly observes that this is proof enough that Jesus the servant and Jesus the Savior are inseparable. They are one and the same. And it illustrates what Paul wrote in Romans 10.13, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Bartimaeus called on the name of Jesus, the son of David. He cried for mercy. And the crowd that moments ago, once Jesus stopped, and called for him. The crowd that moments ago were trying to silence him are now encouraging him. That's what we should all do if we listen to Jesus. If we listen to Jesus, we should never silence or discourage those that he is calling to him. We should only always encourage and do all we can to help people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the instructions that the crowd give him are exactly right. They say, have courage, get up, he's calling you. Now that have courage or take courage, it's also translated take heart or cheer up. I can't help but wonder how often Bartimaeus had heard a dismissive cheer up from callous hearts that would rather throw platitudes at his face than coins in his lap. But this was different. There was a reason for Bartimaeus to cheer up and take courage. Jesus' call made all the difference. In fact, this is the only time in the Gospels that anyone other than Jesus ever utters the word, take heart, have courage, cheer up. Jesus says that six times in the Gospels. This is the one time he didn't say it. And when he heard it from the crowd, he came with an imperative. Cheer up, not in a dismissive way, Not in a, let's just, you know, get you out of my hair. Cheer up, jump up, and go to Jesus. He's calling you. The call to genuine faith is more than just empty words of hope. It's hope that requires something from us. An act of our will. The call to get up and go because Jesus is calling him. In a way, it was a test. Did Bartimaeus really believe what he just said about Jesus? You see, when we answer Christ's call to redemption, it requires more than head knowledge. It requires heartfelt trust. Paul tells us that we are saved by grace, not works. James tells us we're saved by a faith that works. Or as Jesus put it in Matthew 7, 21, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So yes, Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus. But that's just the first step. Will he then take the next step of faith? Well, Bartimaeus did. He did answer the call to faith with a radical act of faith. Not only did he take heart, but he actually dared to throw off his garment so that nothing could keep him from getting to Jesus. And he shows us that leaving the rags of our past is an act of faith. That's the act of faith that we all must take. You know, Bartimaeus' ragged garment was his only possession. That's all he had. It was precious to him. And as I said, it served the purpose of catching the change that people threw at him. So this ragged garment symbolized his beggarly past. And before he could get up and go to Jesus, he had to give up his past as a beggar. He had to stand up like a man created in the image of God. No matter how other people had overlooked him or devalued him his whole life, the creator of the cosmos stopped at his voice, turned to him, and called him to come to him. And that radically changed Bartimaeus' life. Even though Bartimaeus was poor, he had to make the same choice the rich young ruler did. The same choice Peter, Andrew, James, and John had to make with their fishing nets. The same choice Matthew had to make with his tax-collecting table. Would he leave behind his life all that he knew to follow Jesus? Would he continue to be a helpless, poor, blind beggar? Or did he dare imagine that he could be anything else? Remember how the, the rich man couldn't leave behind his wealth. And he walked away from the same call to redemption, the same call to faith. He walked away from it sad. He couldn't lay aside his riches for redemption. But the blind man left behind everything. He left behind his only possession, ragged garment though it was. He left it behind to follow Jesus gladly. He left his roadside begging for on the road following. And the blind man saw the truth that the rich man could not. And that's that all of our possessions and all of our righteous deeds and the grand scheme of things, they're all just rags. That's all we have. That's all we can bring, our rags. One commentary explained it this way. The blind man recognized that in this particular matter, his cloak could become a hindrance. It might trip him as he hurried toward his benefactor. With rare abandon, he made absolutely sure the hindrance was removed before it had the chance to do damage. He had some sight after all, but it emanated from his soul, not his eyes. And though he was blind, once he removed this hindrance, once he physically turned his back on his past, he stood up and he took a step of faith. In this case, literally, blind step of faith. Can you imagine what a sight that must have been? Now, I'm sure there were those in the crowd, maybe even some of the twelve, that helped him along. But this man took his steps toward Jesus. What a demonstration of faith and determination. What an example for us of what it looks like to come to faith in Jesus. See, like Bartimaeus, we have to cast aside everything by denying ourselves taking up our crosses and answering Jesus' call to follow Him every day. To go from by-the-road beggary 
to on-the-road discipleship. What about you? Do you understand your need for redemption? Do you grasp just how much you're really just like this beggar? And will you surrender your all to Jesus? Look what happens when you do. We see that salvation and wholeness are the results of faith. So we take a step of faith and we see the results of faith. Now I think in a real sense, Bartimaeus' faith had already brought him wholeness and healing to his mind and to his heart. He already was beginning to view himself differently. Though he couldn't see Jesus yet, he knew that Jesus could see him. And that made all the difference. Even the way the people looked at him and talked about him had changed because of Jesus. And now that he had come to Christ, Jesus asked him a question. What do you want me to do for you? Now notice, this is the same question that James and John got from Jesus back in verse 36. Remember, they they came to Jesus and they wanted something from Jesus and he said the same thing. What do you want me to do for you? Now naturally, Jesus knew this man's need, right? Jesus knew this man was blind. But it's like the father with a demon-possessed boy. Jesus wanted to give him a chance to express his need. He wanted to give this man a chance to confess his faith. He wanted to give him one last opportunity to leave behind his past. And would he fall short? Would he fall short in his request? When, 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 when the rubber meets the road, would he stand up to Jesus and say, Can I please have an alms, sir? Or would he dare to ask the impossible? Would he really leave behind the life he knew and ask Jesus to open his eyes? And of course, Bartimaeus does. He tells Jesus exactly what he wanted. Not a life of begging. He didn't want a life of begging anymore, even though that's all he had ever known. He wanted to see. And in confessing his need, he calls Jesus Rabboni which means my master. My master. He he, he moves beyond just the head acknowledgement of Jesus' messianic title, Son of David. And he enters into a personal relationship with Christ. You see, it's not just enough to believe things about Jesus. Anybody can say, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus was born a virgin and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. I believe these things about Jesus. But if you're going to have a saving relationship with Christ, you have to come to Him personally. He's not just the Savior. He's my Savior. He's not just the Lord. He's my Lord. He's not just the teacher. He's my teacher. He's my master. And that's the kind of faith that Bartimaeus comes with. That's the kind of faith we must come to Jesus with. Unlike James and John's request for power and glory, Bartimaeus just wants to be made whole. He just wants to see. He just wants the results of sin's curse reversed in his life. It's the difference between ambition versus faith, wants versus need. Bartimaeus doesn't want wealth or power or glory. He just wants sight. He doesn't ask Jesus to make him superhuman. He just wants to be human like everyone else. And Jesus answered with a command. Go. Your faith has saved you. Now the Greek word Jesus uses there is sozo. It's the word that's most often used for salvation. 
So while Jesus obviously healed the man physically, there's a deeper spiritual dimension at work. He saved the man. He didn't just give him sight. He gave him salvation. Whenever we come to Jesus in heartfelt faith, in saving trust, confessing our deep need and believing in His deep riches, it will always result in salvation and wholeness. Jesus forgives our sins. He changes us from the inside out. He gives us spiritual sight. He brings us from death to life. He makes us fully human. He radically changes us to become more and more conformed into His image. When you come to Jesus, He makes you truly alive. And that Bartimaeus went from beside the road begging to following Jesus on the road helps us to see that Jesus does far more for us than just give us heaven after we die. Listen, abundant and eternal life starts now. It begins here, not after you breathe your last breath. To follow Jesus is to walk with Him every day along life's road, the narrow road, the road of spiritual transformation. But it doesn't end there. Yes, Jesus called. He beckoned and called Bartimaeus to salvation. But then He sent Bartimaeus on mission. That brings us to the third stop on the road from rags to redemption. Redemption commissions us to go. To go. Look at verse 52. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. And immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Jesus transformed Bartimaeus from a beggar who had been sitting by the road into a disciple who was following Jesus on the road. Faith Listen to me carefully. Faith that does not lead to a life of discipleship and living on mission for Jesus is not saving faith. Whoever asks of Jesus must be willing to follow Jesus even up the difficult road to the cross. Think of all the things... Bartimaeus is a new disciple of Jesus experienced that week. He had, he had one week to follow Jesus. And this disciple with newfound sight, think about all that he saw from the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday to the cruel agony and pain of Good Friday to the unmeasurable joy of Easter Sunday morning. What a week for a new believer in Jesus to experience. What an awful this guy got. And who knows, maybe Bartimaeus was even there to see Jesus ascend into heaven. Maybe he was there to hear the Great Commission. And if he was, I wonder when he heard Jesus say, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, if he didn't think back to that first command that Jesus gave him. Go. Your faith has saved you. The call to come to know Jesus, to experience His mercy and grace, to follow Jesus daily in our lives, always, always, always involves a call to be on mission for Him to go and not just be a disciple, but to make disciples. We all have that commission. Jesus sends us out to tell other people, cheer up, get up, go to Jesus. 
He's calling for you. We are all called to go to the weak, the poor, the lame, the deaf, the blind, the sinner, the outcast. We're called to go to all of them and encourage them. Help them to come to Jesus in saving faith. Now maybe maybe God has put some people along your daily path who need words of encouragement from you. Maybe there are people that you pass every day and you never really take the time to stop and think about their deep need for a Savior. Who would Jesus have you stop and turn aside to and say, cheer up, get up, let me take you to Jesus. He loves you. He wants to give you a new life. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe this morning you're painfully aware of your desperate need for Jesus Christ. You realize that the things you've been clinging on to that you thought were so important in life are just rags. And you're tired of the rat race. You're tired of trying to earn your way. You're you're tired of the rags you've been clinging to, this life of begging. You feel like you've been on the outside looking in. And you know today that you need a Savior. And that Jesus Christ is that Savior. Maybe you're listening to me online or on the radio and you're like, yes, that's me. What do I do? The first thing you've got to do is cry out to Jesus. Just cry out to Him and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I need you, Jesus. And then throw off whatever it is that's been keeping you from Him. Whatever it is. Listen, there's nothing in your life. There's no power, position. There's no... Uh, possessions, no pleasure, there's no sin or bad habit, there's nothing in your life that's worth clinging to and missing out on Jesus, on having Him pass you by. Whatever it is you think that's in the way, toss it aside. And then come to Him in faith. Just a simple childlike faith. You don't have to know a lot. You don't have to understand everything. You simply have to know that I need Jesus that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave, that He loves me, and I am going to trust that He's going to do the impossible, that He's going to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me new from the inside out. It may seem as far-fetched to you as being able to make a blind man see that He can do it. And I've seen Him do it time and time again. He's done it in my life. He can do it in your life. Will you come? Will you come to Him in faith? Don't delay. Listen, when Jesus walked past Bartimaeus going from Jericho to Jerusalem, Jesus was never going to pass that way ever again. And Bartimaeus knew he had one opportunity, one moment. He was not going to let Jesus pass him by. Today may be the last time that Jesus passes you by. Today may be your one and only chance to cry out to Him for mercy. Because none of us knows What's going to happen when we walk out these doors today? Don't delay. Call upon the Lord while He is near. Today is the day of salvation. Would you stand with me and pray? Lord Jesus, we... We're so great at deceiving ourselves into thinking that we've got it together. We've got all the answers. We can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But sometimes you... Bring us to our knees. You bring us to a point where we realize that we're just fooling ourselves and probably not fooling anybody else. Lord, we are desperate. We are broken. Apart from you, we are pitiful. 
We need a Savior, and you are that Savior, the one who came to give his life as a ransom for many, and that includes me. Everyone in this room and everyone hearing my voice right now. And if there's anybody here this moment that doesn't have any certainty, that has any doubt whatsoever in their heart that they belong to you, I pray they would cry out to you in mercy right now. I pray they would throw aside whatever pride, whatever whatever it is that's getting in their way. They would throw that rag to the side. And they would get up and they would come to you right now in faith and put their trust in you for salvation. Father, those of us that have been following you along the road, we are following you every day along the road. We're already believers in Christ. God, open our eyes to see the needs around us. Open our eyes to see the lost around us. To see the people that are hurting and struggling, that need hope, the only hope that they have is in you. And help us to throw aside whatever pride, whatever busyness, whatever... It is that keeps us from serving them. Help us to lay it aside so that we can encourage them to cheer up, jump up, and come to Jesus. May your spirit move in our hearts and lives right now. And may we step out in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar is open. I'm standing here to receive you, to pray with you. Whatever God has laid on your heart, would you respond? Would you step out as Bartimaeus?